Well, we have been working through a series for the last five weeks or so called Light at the End of the Tunnel, and we've been looking at five biblical keys to putting the last 15 months, 16 months, 17 months, however many it's been at this point, to putting all of that behind us. And this morning, we're coming to the fifth and final key. When we first gathered in person now about five weeks ago, we started looking at the importance of ending social distancing. But we said that had nothing to do with keeping six feet away from people, but instead it had everything to do with dealing with the divisions and separations that have plagued us relationally. And we looked at the story of, of, of two men in the New Testament, Mark and Paul, who had a significant falling out, a significant relational break, but they found a way back together through grace. And remember, we looked at that near the end of Paul's life. He said, Timothy, bring Mark. I really need him. Then we looked at the importance of, of taking off our masks. And again, had, that had nothing to do with a piece of fabric covering our nose and mouth, but everything to do with the positioning and posturing and hiding behind the facade that so many of us do when, when the truth is lots of us have been dealing with emotional distress, personal crises, even addictions and, and shadow lives that, are, that are, are given over to things that we know don't honor God. But when we get together, we say, you know what, I'm doing just fine everything's fine. We said the biblical key to putting all this behind us was the importance of taking off those masks, owning the things that we're covering up and, and hiding so that we can receive the healing and support and forgiveness that we need. And we looked at the biblical account of David who had his mask come off at the end of a series of, of massive mistakes and huge sins. And it was the best thing that ever happened to him. Then we said we need to stop hoarding, which again has nothing to do with toilet paper and Lysol wipes, but everything to do with, with getting rid of and ending the selfishness that has permeated our lives. And the biblical key for that was living with a selfless, sacrificial, servant heart. And we looked at several spots in the gospel where Jesus again and again taught his disciples about this, right up to the night before he was crucified, where he, he sat down and he washed the disciples' feet. And he told them, I didn't come for you to serve me, but I came to serve, and I came to give my life away. And he said that, that they, his disciples, and us today need to do the same thing. Last week, we looked at the importance of, of pulling away from whatever news streams or social feeds or whatever it's been that we've just been fixated on. So many of which that just keep us agitated and anxious full of mistrust and division. And instead, we said we need to, to feed on the truth of God's word and let that to work in us and through us. And so we've kind of taken these weeks that you're, you're catching on, and we've taken these things that are associated with the end of the pandemic and, and, and used them as metaphors for what will actually bring healing for us, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. Because so much of what's going on as we come to the end of COVID has nothing to do with restrictions, lifting, and vaccine rollouts, as important as those things are, but everything to do with dealing what's, with what's happened in our hearts. And that brings us to one last metaphor, vaccines. Now, in, in terms of the medical front of the pandemic, vaccines have been central to the entire effort of getting us through this. 
Many of our plans here in Alberta and so many other uh, reopening plans have been based around uh, vaccine rollout and uptake. But just getting a shot or two shots, depending on which one you get, isn't going to be enough to put this all behind us. As is the case with so many vaccines, and even though we've got a shot, there's a suggestion that we might need a booster shot at some point, which is common, as you know. We've been working through uh, with our, our daughter. Someday we aspire to travel again, and so she's got to get this series of three shots, right, so that she can go south when it gets cold here. It's going to get cold here again. But why do we need these, these boosters? Because we need to keep on guarding ourselves against infection. And so that's why the fifth and final biblical key we're going to look at to putting these 15 months behind us is this. Keep getting vaccinated. And as with all the others, I'm not making a medical statement here. We want to think about this metaphorically. Just like saying stop social distancing had nothing to do with keeping six feet apart. Just like taking off our mask had nothing to do with taking the piece of cloth off our face. And, and just like stop hoarding had nothing to do with toilet paper and Lysol wipes and meat. When we're saying this morning, keep getting vaccinated, it has nothing to do with a shot. But it has everything to do with, what, uh, with guarding ourselves against what might infect us spiritually. And injecting ourselves with what it takes to be guarded. One of the, the major themes of the Bible, and maybe especially the New Testament, is this, is to, to stay spiritually guarded. Again, we can find it throughout. Here's a handful of examples from Paul's writing in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 16, 15, he says this, Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And then in his first letter to his uh, apprentice, to his disciple, Timothy, he writes, Timothy, guard whatever God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered away from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you. And then in his follow-up letter to Timothy, Paul again says something very similar. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and the love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. The idea, again, in these verses and so many others, is to self-protect, to do whatever it takes to prevent an effective attack against the truth of Jesus living in us. And over the last 15, 16, 17 months, we have been attacked. I don't know for you where or how that's been, but I know that every single one of us has been bombarded by half-truths and false truths and, and lies. I know we've all been under assault through this time. And so one of the marks that we're starting to see when we look back at, at where we've come through this past 15 months, one of the things we're seeing in people in our culture is that if there were areas in your life where you were strong, if you had good habits, good routines, if your relationships or whatever were healthy, if they were strong going into March of last year, they're probably still doing pretty good. But if you were not in a good place at the beginning, if you had areas in your life that were under stress or distress, man, COVID just did a number on those things. For many, if, if your marriage was rocky on the front end, 
Maybe your marriage didn't survive COVID. If you are struggling financially, COVID probably didn't pull you out of it, rather probably made things worse. If things at home were tough before COVID made it tougher, we just weren't vaxxed for it, as the metaphor goes. And so the key for now, for so many of us, and the, the key theme of this whole series is to do what it takes, whatever it takes, to get healthy. Let's end it to get healthy. And to get healthy in terms of relationships and community. To get healthy with uh, depression and emotional anxieties. To get healthy with attitudes and spirits. To get healthy with what we take into our heart and our mind. And then we need to work to stay healthy. To get and then stay vaccinated as the metaphor goes against all that COVID did to us and all that we let it do to us that was just toxic. So that's the key for us, to stay vaccinated. As important as the actual vaccine is to putting all this behind us, this is again about staying spiritually healthy, spiritually vaccinated. So how do we do that? Let's go back to that first verse that we, we read together, what Paul said to the church in Corinth. It's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. If you've got a Bible in front of you, you can open that up and circle it and highlight it. He said this, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. And be strong. That's, that's the vaccine for us, in a nutshell. Paul here was using four military metaphors, four, uh, you know, these are, these are not just pithy sayings that he was using, but these were, were strong words that he was giving. So let's unpack them one by one. The first was this, to be on guard. This means for us uh, to be uh, alert, to be vigilant. This means actively being aware of your surroundings. Because what happens when you let your guard down? And I think we probably all know this. When the guard goes down, we become vulnerable. You can then be successfully attacked. So to be on guard is to be looking and thinking about where areas of weakness might be and, and shoring them up and, and, and working towards that. So now, as we think about the last 15 months or so, are there any areas in your life that you can think of right now that, man, I, I really need to work on this? I was really attacked on this. My, my identity crumbled when I couldn't speak to a room of people for 16 months, right? Like some of these things that we, we maybe didn't realize were that important, but all of a sudden they were just revealed as, and this is an area of weakness, something I need to be on guard against to firm up. Where were you successfully led to act or think in a way that, that you know was not you at your best? Or we can either look back and pretend that never happened and say, yeah, I, that wasn't great, but I'll do better next time. Or we can actively work to being on guard against that so it doesn't happen again. Let's say, hypothetically, maybe you weren't at your best with how you use social media over the last 15 months. As you read your feeds, whichever one they were, you wound up taking, up the, taking the bait too many times, maybe getting involved in too many back-and-forth conversations that turned into just nastiness or snarkiness. Or maybe you started to get caught up in streams and threads from sites and podcasts and blogs that led you further and further down some rabbit hole that as you look back was like, man, that was really destructive. Maybe you found yourself even buying into things or believing things that were neither true nor beneficial. 
Maybe the entire online world just sucked you in, and shaped you, and formed you, and molded you, and changed you. And you're not better as a result. How, how are we going to guard against that happening again when the next thing comes? If, if we don't slow down and, and take time to ask ourselves these kinds of questions, all we're doing is leaving ourselves open to falling in the same traps again. And so we need to each take some time and look at where we've maybe let our guard down in the last 15 months and consider how to, to shore up our defenses, to keep our guards up going forward. The second thing Paul says is to stand firm. And not just stand firm, but stand firm in the faith, in what we know to be true. Now, Paul writes words like this quite often in his letters in the New Testament. When he wrote them, and almost every other time he wrote something like this, stand firm or be strong or these sorts of things, he was concerned about false teachings and false teachers that were infiltrating people's lives and their thinking. And Paul was right to be worried about this. Even, you know, in the early days of the church, this was rampant. There were people who would start teaching things that would distort the message of Jesus, that would distract people from the message of Jesus, that would water down the message of Jesus. Anything that would undermine the foundation on which a, a follower of Jesus, a, a Christ follower, stands. So if you didn't stand firm in your faith, if your faith was rocked or shaken, and, and that's not to say that we can't have doubts sometimes, that there aren't times in our lives where we will be rocked or shaken. But let me ask, where did you let a false teacher or false teaching into your world? Was there a, a relationship or a blog or a podcast or a website or a book that just really messed, you up, messed with your thinking, sowed seeds of doubt and mistrust, or just plain led you away from Jesus? Where were you just kind of engaged or, or uncritically engaged and it affected your faith? Whatever it, it was, it may have just sounded kind of just true enough for you to let your guard down and, and not maybe test what you were listening to or hearing or believing. But then later look back and realize, man, that, this little rabbit hole I went down really undermined a lot of core things in my faith, and it was wrong. If we want to stand firm, we need to separate ourselves from whatever it is that's undermining us. That means eliminating false teachers, false teachings, and falsehoods from our lives. So, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. The third thing Paul said is, be courageous. And this one's a bit of a, a tricky translation. As, as many of you know, the New Testament in our Bible was originally written in, in what's called Koine Greek. It's like a marketplace Greek language. And so everything we have in English is obviously a translation. But sometimes the problem crops up where there isn't quite the right word in English to really encapsulate all that the author was meaning when they originally wrote the text and, and chose the words they chose. Uh, that said, we have several really good, solid English translations that are backed up by really good scholarship. But English, uh, it's, it's strange sometimes. German's a little bit different. See, in German, if they don't have the right word for it, they just, like, piece together as many words as they have to make this really long word to sort of encapsulate what they want. The best example I can think of is matchbox, right? You've got this tiny little matchbox, and so the, I can imagine as they're putting this language together, I think, okay, so what is this? Well, it's a little piece of wood, so we need to have the word for wood in this thing. 
Well, we strike it and it makes fire, so we need to have some of that in there. And then it's, it's a box, so we have the word for box in there, but matchboxes are small, so we need to have the, the word for little box in there. And so our English word matchbox is how many letters? Eight? I think there's eight syllables in Streichholzschettelchen, isn't there? Just about. <laughs> See if my German stream direct. I got the thumbs up from the back there. The case here, getting back to be courageous. In the original Greek, it literally reads, be courageous men, or be courageous adults. The English standard, standard version, which we uh, often use here, translated as act like men, all of which may not be super helpful as a translation here. But what Paul is trying to say effectively is this, grow up. He's saying, stop being immature in some of these things because it's, it's that immaturity that has led to many of your problems. I would say that, that over the last little while, we've seen lots of people do sort of immature or childish or foolish things. Maybe it was an impulsive purchase. I think we heard a few people say, listen, watch the buy and sells in the Bow Valley when tax time comes because the government has given out these funds and people have spent them on toys right away. And all of a sudden, they're going to have to get rid of them so we can, maybe the rest, some others can get good deals on skis or bikes or whatever it might be, right? Maybe it was our immaturity in our online interactions. I don't know if you've seen this or, or heard of this, but sometimes people get really brave behind a computer screen. Say things they would never say in person. That's an immaturity. Maybe it was immaturity even just in the way we consume social media. The amount of hours we spent doom-scrolling just for the next bad news. Maybe it is how, how we've reacted to uh, mask requirements. We've seen physical fights come out of, should we wear a mask or not? Can I suggest that's immature? Maybe it's just immaturity in our relationships with people. Having arguments with people about certain things and, and having those arguments end and, and break long-standing friendships, even family ties over things that are ultimately, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, probably somewhat petty or trivial. Now, none of us are perfectly mature. I am definitely not yet there. We all have areas of immaturity in our life. So again, think about this for yourself. Where did immaturity show up for you? Was it in a relationship? Was it in your, your personal life? Was it in your financial or spiritual life? Where is it that you need to grow up the most? Well, Paul continues. He challenges us to, to be on guard, to stand firm in the, in the faith, to, to grow up, to be an adult. And then he had one last challenge for us. Be wrong. That literally, it reads, be made strong. See, when it comes to spiritual strength, this is something we can actually choose to happen. We can be made strong, or we can choose to remain or be made weak. See, here's the thing. Coming to Christ, coming to know Jesus, and, and starting to follow him isn't the same thing as staying in Jesus, much less growing in Jesus. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and, and the, the pastor or the leader said, you know what, we've, many of us in the church, we've, we've made the mistake of having baptism as the finish line. 
Or a confession of faith is a finish line. Okay, we'll get them there and then, okay, next. We're really, baptism is the starting line. Because from then we need to be on guard. Work to stand firm. We need to grow up. We need to be made strong. When you become a Christian, the, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life and starts working on things, start changing things. The Bible gives us this direct challenge in Ephesians chapter 5. It's, again, Paul saying this. is Now that you have the Holy Spirit, you're, you're following Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit, so now be filled with the Spirit. This time, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. So this was a group of people who were already followers. This wasn't Paul saying, okay, if you want to follow Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. You've got Jesus. You understand the message. You're giving your life to this. Now be filled with the Spirit. Grammatically, again, this phrase, be filled in the original Greek, is what's called a present imperative. And again, we don't have a, a really smooth English translation to get there. The intent of this phrase, the intent of the original Greek, so when we read this verse, we need to read it as be being filled, or, or keep on being filled. Further, it's, it's also in the passive voice. So, uh, get out your, your grammar books. It's, it's passive, present, imperative, which means he's not saying fill yourself up with the Spirit, but instead saying let yourself be filled. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Now, the Bible teaches that as individuals, we're filled by the Holy Spirit by uh, involving ourselves in that process, by by giving ourselves to that process. And it's an ongoing, day-in, day-out experience. This is not a a, a one-time, okay, I, I prayed a prayer and filled with the Spirit. Everything's great but it's an ongoing process with ups and downs and ups and downs. Whenever we talk about something being filled, often we have this image of, of uh, like a glass being filled with water, right? So, okay, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's a glass, here's Sean, here's the Holy Spirit. Hopefully he, hopefully he fills that thing right up. But maybe not. And here's, you know, here's someone else, and, and well, he's got a bigger glass, so we're, we're going to really fill up that glass there, right? But whenever the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, don't think about a container being filled up with something. That's not what it means. We're not just jars or vessels that God pours in a certain amount, different amounts for each one of us. The Holy Spirit is a person. So being filled is a relational issue. And let me, before we keep going on here, let me say I'm working on this. This is... This is something that, that I still wrestle with. How do, I, how do I relate rightly to the Holy Spirit? How do I be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that look like and how I relate to my wife and my kids and, and the church and people and, and the person that cuts me off on the highway and whatever, all these things. I'm working at this. Here's what the Christian faith believes, that we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three persons who are one God. Not three gods, but three persons who are one God. And that's the mystery of the Trinity, of the Christian faith. Here's the thing. If you can't wrap your head around that, it's okay. As one writer says, if you could wrap your head around all the complexities and intricacies of God, then God would be no bigger than your intellect. Let me tell you, 
if God is no bigger than my intellect, you don't want to give your life to that God. This is just the mystery of God being God and us being creation. The Trinity is, is something we're told about him, though. But God has told us, this is who I am. So the Holy Spirit is a person, which means being filled is a relational issue. So how do we experience this? Well, to be filled with the Holy Spirit means we allow him to occupy and guide and control and lead us in ever-increasing areas of our lives. It sounds maybe a little simple, but it is quite profound. The, the more you follow the Holy Spirit, the more you're filled. And the more you're filled, then the more you're led by the Holy Spirit. And the more you're led, then the more you're filled again. The whole idea is that we, we live in and we live by and we live through the Spirit, being led by Him, keeping in step with the Spirit, surrendering to His leadership. And so to be being filled is to live a life that, that follows the inner workings and promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, just think about something that's so basic to the Christian life, which is being in the Scripture. It's being in the Bible. It's, it's reading the Bible. What, what, what really happens when we read the Bible? Are we, are we just getting head knowledge? I got to confess, sometimes that's it. I need to read a section to either check it off on my daily daily reading plan so, so John knows that I'm keeping up. But the, the Bible was never meant to just be information. It was always supposed to be transformation. I heard someone say this week, you know, Jesus didn't come just to inform, but to transform everything. The Bible is not about just a textbook to good living. It's to bring the kingdom of God in our hearts. It's to lead us. It's to transform everything about us. The Bible is, is as we said last week, God's revelation to us. It's inspired, breathed out by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Bible as well. And so when we, we listen to the words of the Bible, and then the inner promptings of our spirit, as, as they're nudged too, as we read something and say, okay, that's, boy, that's, that's not real of my life right now. I'm going to have to do something about that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us in that moment as well. And we're, we're guided by the Holy Spirit, and we're led to become something we're naturally not. We're led to be more and more like Jesus. We're led to make choices, to say yes to things or no to things, to, to do this but not do that, to, to feel certain ways, to act certain ways, to become strong as we listen. Or if we reject it all, we choose weakness. That's why the Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit through our sin as well. And I know that can sound a little bit odd that we might grieve the Holy Spirit we, when we have this perspective that the Holy Spirit is a person of God, not just some sort of ethereal force out there somewhere, some way, it helps us better understand how we can grieve the Holy Spirit because we're in a relationship with him. I found this really helpful this week, this analogy. We've got the Holy Spirit as a person trying to make us more like Jesus, poking at things in our lives we need to deal with, leading us, guiding us, prompting us to be more like Jesus. But when you and I give in to patterns of sin, or if we don't deal with areas of sin in our lives, we're actually turning the Holy Spirit away. 
We're, we're shutting him out. We're, we're refusing to let him do his work. We're rejecting him. We're hanging up the phone on a friend. And so this grieves him because relationally the Holy Spirit loves you and wants what's best for you. And when you reject his work, you, uh, you diminish his power and presence in your life. You reject what God wants to do. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to do. We lose, we diminish his power in our lives. Remember Ephesians 2, just before the verses we read at the beginning of the service, Paul says, before we met Jesus and invited the Holy Spirit into our lives, we were what? Dead in our sins. And so when we reject the Holy Spirit's work in our life, we're choosing to return to that deadness. Ouch. That, that stung me a little bit this week. We, we all do this. We all make this choice. But we don't have to. When we look at Paul's admonishment here to be being filled, the context of this verse is a, is a, is a plea at the end of a long section calling the church to, to look and live a life that looks like Jesus. And so he says, uh, the, the be being filled by the Holy Spirit is the how to live this life, but look at what Paul calls us to in the words right before it. If you've got a Bible, it's Ephesians 4. I'm going to start reading it, verse 21. I don't think it's on the screens behind me. He says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting the anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And then he says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what these four military metaphors we're looking at were all about. Like what Paul said about being uh, filled, they were all written grammatically in that present imperative which means all four of these military words, these commands that we looked at this morning, were meant to be a, a present, ongoing, and continuing pursuit. We will never fully arrive this side of glory at, at being perfectly uh, into any of these. But Paul is actually saying to us, listen, be being on guard. Be being standing firm. Be being adults. And be being strong. As we come to the end of this series, Light at the End of the Tunnel, as we looked at five biblical keys at putting so much of what's been done to us and by us uh, the, through the COVID pandemic behind us, this is going to take work. 
we're not going to be able to wrap up this series and say, okay, we're good. Our relationships are fixed. Our masks are off. We're no longer selfish. We are, you know, we're listening to only scripture and not our social media, and we're perfectly vaccinated against all these things. It's going to take work. 100% it's going to take work. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit alive and well in us, and he is able to carry us through these things, to help us through these things. And as we continue on in this, as we continue to be being filled by the Holy Spirit, we can end the distancing and heal relational divides. We can take off our masks and be honest and deal with the lies that are underneath things. We can stop hoarding. We can end the selfishness and we can choose the selflessness and sacrifice and servant-heartedness. We can clean up the, the mental and emotional and spiritual mess we've taken inside ourselves through whatever feeds we've been feeding off of and replace them with the truth of God's word, filling ourselves with what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. And we can be being on guard, be being standing firm, be being courageous adults, be being strong, and be being built. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you again for this word, for your word. I pray that it would be one that, that uh, we wouldn't just head out from this place and, or move on to the next thing and, and forget what you said and, and what you've called us to and, and what you're asking us to do. I pray that you would continue to do, Holy Spirit, your work in us and through us. Would you, again, forgive me and forgive us for all the times that I have grieved you by rejecting the things that you've asked me to do, Spirit. The issues in my heart that you've asked me to deal with, the, the things that have, that have led me to listen to voices that aren't constructive, to, to use my times in ways that aren't uh, drawing me closer to you, to any of these things. Holy Spirit, help me and us to hear your voice, to be being filled. Help us to be on guard, to be standing firm, to, to, to be grown-ups, to be adults and courageous as we stand firm, and to be strong in our faith. I know we can't do this by ourselves, so Jesus, we ask you to do it in us and through us. And Holy Spirit, ask you to, to, to work in our lives and do these things in us. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.